All right, I invite you to open your Bible, please, to the book of Revelation. Let's go there now. Revelation and chapter 12. We are in chapter 12. I want to remind you that chapter 12, starting verse 1, right through to chapter 15, verse 4, is what we call a parenthetical section, meaning that it's not chronological. Uh, the way that I like to put it is the tour bus guide has pulled the bus over to the side of the road. We're not making new progress, but rather what he does is he gets up and turns around and now explains a bunch of things to us. And that's what we have in chapter 12, verse 1 to chapter 15, verse 4. It's a parenthetical section. Now, last uh, Wednesday, we uh, talked about the, the woman here clothed with the sun. And we interpreted her as being Israel and how that uh, she brought forth the Lord Jesus. And so this parenthetical section right up to chapter 15, verse 4, seems to cover a period of time spanning approximately the birth of Christ right up till uh, near the end of the tribulation. And in verse 5, I want you to notice that um, the, uh, uh, the man-child, the Lord Jesus Christ here, uh, at the end here, her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. And so that's where Jesus is right now. Folks, he's in heaven. He's not on earth in some city or some country. He is up in heaven. Some people claim to be Jesus himself. They are wrong, wrong, wrong. Our Lord Jesus right now is in heaven making intercession for us. In verse 6, we find that the tribulation has not only begun, but it's somewhere around the midway point of the tribulation. Here we find Israel fleeing from Satan. And uh, that's got to be tough. Boy, those are got to be horrible, scary days with hearts pounding and uh, lots of tears and crying out to God. And notice also here, in verse 6, near the end, that uh, God hides them and feeds them. Uh, a thousand, two hundred, and threescore days. That, that's three and a half years. It refers to the last half of the tribulation. And uh, these verses are given to show us why that Satan is so enraged with Israel because he's enraged against the Lord Jesus Christ. Satan and Jesus are enemies, folks. They don't see eye to eye. They are enemies. And uh, Satan is very mad at the Lord Jesus, and he's persecuting Israel because of it. Now, many years ago, some, oh, I think 25 years ago, something like that, we lived in the city of Ottawa on a street called Vancouver Avenue. And uh, across the street and up the, up the way a couple of doors was a lady who had a couple of uh, uh, daughters. And we thought, well, they don't go to church on Sundays. And we suggested to our daughter at the time, who was just little, about the same age, why don't you go across the street and invite those girls to Sunday school? Well, she was soon back home and said, well, they didn't seem to want to go. Their mother doesn't want them to go. And then the phone rang. And this lady called us up. And she chewed us out something royal. Oh, she was vicious uh, with us for having invited her uh, two daughters to Sunday school. 
Well, uh, what, can, what can we do? We apologized, but that, that never worked. We sent flowers. That never worked. Everything we tried, we tried to get others to intercede. Over the course of four years, she was constantly enraged and mad at us. But you know something? It wasn't really so much us she was mad at. She was mad at the Lord Jesus. Like Satan is mad at the Lord Jesus and wanted to persecute the church. Uh, sorry, the Israel. He persecutes the church too, mind you. But he's persecuting Israel here because he's mad at Jesus. And really, that's why Christians get persecuted is because Satan is still mad at Jesus. And he'll put it into the hearts of his little pawns to go and persecute a Christian, give a Christian a hard time because Satan is mad at Jesus. Well, tonight we are going to be talking now about uh, uh, starting in verse 7. We're going to be uh, dealing here with the dragon and his wrath. Boy, that's old Satan and his wrath. And so uh, let's have a quick word of prayer. And then let's get into these verses. Dear Heavenly Father, we hold before us tremendous truth. Help us to learn from it. We're looking down the tunnel of time. We're looking through the telescope, through the ages. And uh, we're looking, Lord, at this time when Satan is going to once again try to persecute Israel. Help us, Lord. Help us, we pray, to learn the lesson tonight that we might live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now I'd like to direct your attention now, please, to verse number 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought against his angels. This verse seems to suggest that uh, there's uh, a war, a very first war. Why is there war in heaven? Uh, because Satan is about to be cast out, that's why. And he doesn't want to go. And so he's fighting. Uh, there appears there would never have been a war in heaven before. It always seems to have been a place of peace and glory to God. The golden streets have never been marred with battle. Heaven's atmosphere has never been shattered by the cries of warriors. But it's now happening. Now earth, on the other hand, earth is a different story altogether. Earth's history has always been filled with war. Earth's history began with the war between two brothers. In Genesis chapter 4, Earth's history will end with the war at the end of the Millennial Kingdom when Satan rounds up all the unsaved people and tries to attack Jesus in the Holy City. But I want you to notice something here. From the beginning up until about the midway point of the Tribulation, the, from the beginning of time up until about this midway point of the Tribulation, Satan has had access to heaven. I know this is a hard thought, isn't it? Old devil, what's he doing in heaven? Get him out of there. It will happen, beloved. But if we understand this properly, Satan has access to heaven. In fact, look at verse 8. Um, it says, uh, And prevailed not, neither was their place found any more in heaven. It suggests that Satan still at this moment, as we preach this sermon, Satan still has a place 
access in heaven. That's, that's hard to hard pill to swallow, but it appears to be true that Satan has access in heaven. Now, say what, what's he doing up there? What does he want to go to heaven for? Why? Why would Satan want to have anything to do with heaven? And here's why. Because Satan is an accuser of the brethren. That's why. Satan's job, one of Satan's jobs, maybe his main one right now, is to accuse us before God. You say, well, what good would that do? Well, think of it. He can't accuse us of things we haven't done because God won't listen to him. He can't accuse us of sins and transgressions we haven't committed because God knows better. But when we commit sin, then Satan can take that and he can bring it before God the Father. And he can begin to accuse us. He is the accuser of the brethren and he's good at his job, beloved. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he takes legitimate accusations before God. And the purpose of that is so that God will be forced to remove his hedge of protection, his hand of blessing off of his children. And then this will allow Satan now to get in there, Satan or his demons, and get in there and attack us. To attack us spiritually, attack us mentally, attack us emotionally, attack us financially, attack us physically. Satan is an accuser with legitimate accusations in order to release God's hand of blessing and protection so he can get in there and he can really hurt God's children. Boy, the question is, how's it going in your life? Have you been the subject of satanic attack? Now, I'm not saying that all satanic attack is because you've committed sin Satan has taken that as a legitimate accusation against you before God. God has had to remove his hand of protection, his hand of blessing, so Satan can be in there now and, and smack you good. You, you look at Job. We're going to look at Job in just a moment. But he's an example of a righteous man. And God still allowed some attack. So, saying this, some of the attack you may be experiencing may be because you haven't confessed your sin. Some of the attack from Satan in your life might be because you haven't taken your transgressions to God and confessed them and owned up to them and asked Him to forgive you. See, the thing is, God has to deal with sin, right? Now, praise the Lord, we've got an advocate in heaven, Jesus Christ the righteous. And it's very true that when Satan brings this accusation, legitimate accusation, the Lord Jesus can stand and say, Father in heaven, it's true. Your son, your daughter just committed a sin. But what else is true is that I died for that sin. I shed my blood for that sin. Praise the Lord. That keeps us saved. But now God has to have the Holy Spirit go to work and start convicting us of the sin. Satan gets in there and starts thumping us. If we're smart, we'll go to God and we'll ask God to forgive us. We'll acknowledge it and ask Him to forgive us. Very important. Very important, beloved. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 31 says, For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. It's talking about 
uh, God's judgment upon a uh, Christian who has sinned but has not done self-judgment. When you sin, you should right away acknowledge it before God and ask His forgiveness. You should go to God and say, God, I'm so sorry for what I've done. Please forgive me. But when you and I don't do that, when we don't judge sin in our lives, then God has to do it. And He's a loving Heavenly Father. And He will do His job. And He will judge sin in us. Now, very quickly, I'd like you to turn in your Bible, please, uh, back to the book of Job. And we'll just take a quick look at this. Job, right before the book of Psalms. Job, chapter 1. And we'll just, just quickly here. Chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 6. And this shows us, once again, the access that that old dragon has in heaven. Job chapter 1, verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. There you go. Satan has got access into God. Chapter 2, verse 1. Again, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. Now, whether this presenting was in heaven or on earth, the bottom line is that Satan still had access to God Almighty. And in Revelation here, it indicates that he has access in heaven. So listen, make sure you're saved. Very important. Make sure you're born again. Make sure you're saved. If you're wondering if you're saved or not, if you're not sure you'd go to heaven when you die, if you're not 100% sure that you're born again, that God is your Father and Jesus is your Savior and He's residing in your heart, if you don't know for 100% sure, contact our office. We'll give you a Bible study. We'll start you on studying the Bible. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We'll get you started on Bible studies that'll help you to know. And in a very short time, you will learn a whole lot about heaven and salvation. And you too will be able to be sure you're saved. And if you are saved and you know you're saved, make sure that you're keeping short accounts with sin and you're confessing all and forsaking all known sin. Now again, back to chapter 12, Revelation, verse 8. It says concerning Satan, and prevailed not. Now this is going to be a humiliating defeat for Satan. He, Satan is currently the strongest angel currently. In uh, the book of Jude, which only has one chapter, so we'll say Jude chapter 1, verse 9, it says, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. That tells us that Michael, the archangel, had to watch himself. He couldn't bring a railing accusation against Satan. Some of these crazy TV preachers, once in a while, they get all bent out of shape. Ah, you devil, I'm calling you, you, I'm, I'm binding you, Satan. They don't know what they're talking about. Not even Michael, the archangel, durst bring a railing accusation against Satan because currently Satan is that powerful. He is the most powerful created being in all of God's spiritual kingdom. Now, this here in chapter 12, verses 7 and 8, comes as a crushing blow, a humiliating defeat for our enemy, 
right now, right now, Satan can overcome anyone or anything, even Michael, the archangel. And so Michael must be very careful around him. But the day is coming when God will allow Michael to overcome Satan. Yes, it will happen. God will take away some of Satan's superior strength so that Michael can now get in there and overcome him. And God will take away any place that Satan might have had in heaven. Some people seem to think Satan's got a condo in heaven. I think that's flippant thinking, but uh, whatever Satan has in heaven, access or whatever, God's going to remove it from him. He'll be stripped of all access to heaven. He'll be cast out. Hallelujah! Someone type hallelujah, please. Type it the best you can. Send it in to us. Praise the Lord. Wow. It's going to be exciting. Now look at verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out. That old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, he was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now notice that Satan did not leave of his own accord. He did not willingly pack up his suitcase, his briefcase, and tiptoe out of heaven. No, the Bible says he was cast out. Now maybe Michael had the joy of casting him out. Hooray for Michael. Michael, I hope that you're the one who gets to cast him out. But the word cast means to eject with force. You can almost see Michael or someone just ha throwing out Satan and he, he lands on his behind. Boom, 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 boom. Right out of heaven he goes. Now, I want to show you something interesting. If you look at chapter 20, just skip ahead a bit. Chapter 20. Verse 1, and I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and the great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. And I want you to see here that <laughs> it's not even Michael. It's not a strong angel. It's not a mighty angel. It's just an ordinary angel. Because at this point, I believe God has so greatly reduced Satan's power and ability that even an ordinary angel is able just to take him and do that. Did you know that God has the same power to do that to you or me? Sometimes we think we're pretty set. We're smug. We got our finances. We got our money. We got our health. We got our family. We got our house all paid for. We think, boy, we're set. Nothing, no one can upset my boat. Ah, beloved, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Everything you have can be taken from you. Everything. God just has to blow on it. That's all he has to do. And all your wealth, your health. Oh, look at some of these poor people that have contracted COVID-19. And in a matter of days, they went from good health to no health, and they die. Look what God can do here to Satan. Hey, listen, this is, this is where the fear of the Lord comes in. And you ought to have a healthy respect and fear of what God can do. Jesus said, fear not uh, them that can kill the body, 
but fear him that can kill both body and soul in hell fire. We need to, to bring a basket of fruit to God. You say, what does that mean, Pastor? I think you need to watch Sunday sermon and you'll find out. Go back in our archives and you'll find out about that Sunday night bringing a basket of fruit to God. Very important. Well, God reduces Satan's power. Not only will Satan be cast out, but all his fallen angels will be cast out with him. Praise the Lord. What a roundup in heaven. What a purge. What a, what a sweeping clean with a clean broom, a new broom. Now verses 10 to 12 suggests that Satan will now kill millions of Christians on earth. This is during the tribulation time. In specifically in the latter half. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. And so here we have mentioned here a few things in verse 10. Salvation. Multitudes getting saved. Quite possibly because of the influence of the 144,000 and others, no doubt. Perhaps some of Israel will be getting saved at this point. You know something? Even with reduced power, even with a reduction in his power, Satan is still able to mess things up on earth. Isn't that sad? But so true. Even with his power reduced, he's booted out of heaven. He comes down to earth. He can still make life miserable. And he does. And so we're told salvation we're told strength, strength to overcome uh, Satan, found in verse 11. Kingdom of our God. I like to think this as the, the dead saints all ushered into heaven and the power of his Christ. That's Christ's power, especially to help Israel. Look, please, uh, at verse, uh, well, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But, um, you know, we too can overcome Satan. We too can use the same formula here Christ's blood and our testimony as long as we love not our lives unto death we too can be more than overcomers as well verse 12 again it says woe to the inhabitants of the earth now this suggests the unsaved it's not talking about the saved so much as the unsaved and uh, it says here the devil knows he has a short time he sure does at this point the most he's got is three and a half years. That's not very long. He's had all these thousands of years and he's got now three and a half years left. Well, we come to verse 13 and we find out that Satan goes after the Jews in Israel. And when the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. So he goes after Israel. Verse 14, Israel goes into hiding. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished. Watch this. For a time and times and half a time from the face of the serpent. 
Most Bible scholars believe that a time references a year times two more years. We're up to three years. Half a time is half a year, three and a half years. That's the latter end of the tribulation. Now listen, beloved, some of these things is speculation. We don't know for sure because we are not there going through it. We're only speculating. Is it possible? It could be three and a half months. We'll find out. So, you know, don't get all bent out of shape over some of these things because there's room for some speculation. Now we come to verses 15 and 16. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. You say, what does that mean? To be honest, we're not sure. How about that for an honest answer? We're not sure. Somehow Satan will try to destroy the Jews. He'll try to destroy the Israelites with some kind of flood. God will see to it that the earth will open up and swallow this flood, whatever it is, thereby saving the Jewish people. That's about all we know. We come to verse 17. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed. Now this would probably be the Jews from other parts of the world, around the world, quite possibly who are born again, but maybe not. Uh, let's see, we pick up the end of verse 17, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I correct myself. Chances are they probably are born again. Well, we come to the conclusion of the matter. And I think the conclusion, the application for us may be found in verse 12. The end of verse 12. He knoweth that he hath but a short time. Doesn't have much time left. How much time you have left? Either before the kindly hand of death ushers you into the presence of Jesus. You might say, oh, I have 50 years. How much time do you have left before the sound of the trumpet and the rapture and Jesus comes and personally takes you unto himself? How much time do you have left? <laughs> we don't know. Could this pandemic, this worldwide pandemic, be the precursor to the rapture? We don't know. We just don't know, do we? But one thing I think we're pretty sure of, Whatever amount of time we have left, it's not very much. It's not very much to live for Jesus. It's not very much to support His kingdom, support missionaries, to support the, the gospel ministry of this church. It's not very much time to spend with the Lord alone in your prayer closet, reading the scriptures and praying. It's not very much time to encourage and influence your friends and family members who are not saved at least to try and tune in and watch the broadcasts. Maybe you might be able to send them a gospel tract or talk to them over the phone and tell them all about Jesus. But we don't have much time left, do we, beloved? Isn't that the truth? Well, our time actually is gone. We have no time left right now. <laughs> our time is gone. 